welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And this week's podcast features our last sermon for 2020 and it's entitled Christmas Continued. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 2 beginning at the 22nd verse. Glory Glory to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, (laughs) Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause a falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, friends, I don't know about you, but I really am Christmas out. Um, I I saw a picture on the internet today of... (laughs) From Lone Pine. (laughs) Um, From Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary. This was on their Instagram account. And it looks like... uh, this This is a depiction of what it looks like to be Christmas out in Australia. Uh, the last scraps of ham clogging up your fridge um, are the Christmas movies and happy snaps zapping your mind. Are those prawn shells stinking up your bin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you're not just ready to see the back of 2020, you're ready to see the back of Christmas. It's okay to be Christmased out, and with Sunday falling just two days after Christmas, It's okay that the title of this sermon, Christmas Continued, sends you into nervous sweats. (laughs) But thankfully, the events we're talking about today come after Jesus' birth. 
The angels have finished singing. The shepherds have gone back to their sheep. And in Luke 2, 22, we read, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Today, our passage focuses on what happened to Jesus after his miraculous birth. And we're going to learn more about Jesus' righteous parents. We're going to learn more about a righteous man named Simeon. And we're going to learn about a woman who was righteous as well, called Anna. So let's look at these first righteous parents. In the beginning of the passage we just read, Mary and Joseph traveled to the temple in Jerusalem to have Jesus circumcised. In the book of Leviticus, God tells his people that after giving birth, mothers should wait seven days, and on the eighth day, they were to present their boys to be circumcised. For Mary and Joseph, and Jews like them, having Jesus circumcised identified him with his ancestor Abraham. At the beginning of the Bible, God meets with Abraham, a wandering, childless nobody, and promises to bless him with a family, a country of his own. And also God promises that through his descendants, the whole world will be blessed. To mark this covenant, God tells Abraham to remove the foreskin of all his descendants. This is the covenant of circumcision. Mary and Joseph want to live in faithfulness to God's word. And so they travel to the temple to dedicate Jesus to God. Now the law in Leviticus tells us that mothers were to offer a lamb for sacrifice when they brought their babies for dedication. Shedding blood for Hebrew people has spiritual as well as physical consequences. After the blood of childbirth was cleaned up, mothers were still considered unclean spiritually until they came to make an offering for their ritual purity. A lamb sacrificed to purify the mother was the sacrifice that you would make. It would die the death her sins deserved and purify her in God's sight. Just as we come every Sunday and we ask God for forgiveness, the Jewish people had this ritual of sacrifice and they would come before God to be forgiven and to be purified. But you'll notice that Mary and Joseph don't offer a lamb because they can't afford one. The law in Leviticus told the people that if they couldn't afford a lamb, they could offer doves instead. This tells us that Mary and Joseph lived righteous, but they also lived humble lives. They weren't rich by the world's standards. They weren't famous. They didn't live in a palace, but they were raising a king. Now, why am I telling you all this? On the surface, it's a story about a couple of poor Jews observing religious rituals that we don't practice anymore. Well, Mary and Joseph are an example of righteous parents. We live in a world where dads are often satirized as clueless and lazy. Think about Homer Simpson, for example. Yeah? Yeah. Men are told from a very early age that they don't and shouldn't have any role in the spiritual life of their family. This is why men, particularly males, 15 and up, 
often don't want anything to do with church. Real men, so the stereotype goes, are supposed to keep their feelings to themselves and should only care about work, sport, hobbies, and impressing women. Joseph smashes this stereotype out of the park. Joseph isn't rich, but the Bible tells us he humbly works with his hands as a carpenter supporting his family. He accompanies Mary to the temple and would have been the spiritual head of his household. He would have led prayers and taught Jesus the scriptures. Joseph is a man who loves God. He loves his wife and his family. Joseph shows us a better way to be a man. Mary, in the same way, shows us what it is to be a righteous woman. She's just given birth, but she travels nine nine kilometers uphill from Bethlehem to Jerusalem because, like Joseph, she loves her family and her God. Where our culture tells us that a good woman is an independent, strong-willed, beautiful and successful diva who doesn't want anything from anyone and doesn't take any nonsense, Mary relies on the people around her. She does what's right by her community. She's happy to dedicate her son. She supports her husband in following God. She's humble and she's gracious and she's kind. Mary raises her son according to the law recorded in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and she dedicates her life to seeing her family thrive. Today, there's pressure on women to sacrifice their families on the altar of success. But Mary wants what God wants for her life. She faithfully brings her sacrifices and lovingly dedicates Jesus to God. Here is a picture of two humble and gracious parents doing their very best. As we move into the new year, there is so much pressure on parents to be successful, impressive, and influential. But if you're a parent, Mary and Joseph are wonderful examples of what really matters. And if you're not a parent, then you do know parents and you know the pressures they're under to be and to do certain things. You can support them and encourage them in paths of righteousness. We all have a role in being a family as a church, supporting one another in paths of righteousness. The next righteous person we meet is Simeon. If you've got a Bible, I encourage you to look at verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Simeon served in the temple and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for God to send a king in the line of David, something we looked at last Sunday. Someone who would restore God's kingdom. At the same time, Israel was occupied by Rome. And Simeon and his people were treated like rubbish by occupying Roman forces. 
Simeon didn't play the victim, though. He was a righteous man waiting for God's Messiah. He knew that one day God would send a king. One day God would send a saviour. One day God would send an anointed Messiah who would right the wrongs that he saw all around him. And Simeon had been told by God that he wouldn't die until he met God's Messiah. So daily he would wait in the temple for God's promises to come true. And they do. Moved by the Holy Spirit, Simeon gravitates to two young parents, bringing their child to be dedicated. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he just knows this is the one. He takes Jesus in his arms and he praises God in verse 29. This is called the, the nunc dimittis, the first, um, first two words in Latin of this song. My sovereign Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. It's a beautiful song of praise, but it's laden with political meaning. Many of the Jews waiting for the Messiah thought that the Messiah would kick the Romans out and save the people of Israel and make Israel great again. Instead, we learn that this baby will be a light who will reveal God not just to the Jews, not just to Israel, but to all the nations. This baby, says Simeon, will bring joy. He will bring joy to the world. Then Simeon turns to Mary and he looks her in the eye and delivers a message from God in verse 33. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus' birth will cause many religious people like Simeon to reject God's Messiah. We see this all throughout the four Gospels, people falling, falling foul of Jesus until they can't take it anymore and they crucify him. And at the same time, we see many non-religious people drawing close to Jesus, discovering God and finding the fullness of life that only Jesus can offer. The true hearts of people will be revealed. And this baby will change the world forever. And sadly, this message has an edge. Simeon warns Mary that a long sword, not just a short sword, but a long sword, will one day pierce Mary's soul. Mary will see her son hounded by his enemies. She will see him beaten and abused. And her heart will break as soldiers drive a spear through his side. Mary will delight in her son, but there will be pain among the joy. Friends, Simeon here shows the prophetic power of a righteous man waiting for God. Simeon dedicated his life to God. 
He knew that there was more to life than just living for himself. And God rewards his faithfulness. In our world, righteousness isn't seen as something worth living for. In fact, if you call yourself righteous, then you're often called self-righteous, and that's seen as a vice rather than a virtue. Success, wealth, and personal happiness are seen as more worthy of our energy. If you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, perhaps you're already thinking about, how can I become more intelligent? How can I become more influential? (laughs) Just me? (laughs) How can I become more physically fit? It's sad that so often when we think about New Year's resolutions, we don't think about how can I become more godly? How can I become closer to God? Simeon's dedication to God brings him true joy as he looks at Jesus and says, I can die happy now. We don't know how old Simeon is. He might be a young man. But he, he says, my, my life has been fulfilled. Your word to me has been fulfilled, God. Life can't get any better because I've seen the Lord's anointed. Religious people in our day are often seen as kooky, hypocritical losers. But Simeon doesn't care what we think. He only cares what God thinks. And this makes him righteous. It's not specifically his moral purity or his perfect record that makes him righteous. It's his encounter with God. It's his relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it's it's his desire to see God's kingdom come. Simeon shows us the wonder of righteousness found in God. The final person that Luke introduces us to in this passage also shows us the wonder of God's righteousness. Her name is Anna. In verse 36, we read, There was also a prophet, or a prophetess. Now, prophetesses in the Bible are very rare. Moses' um, sister, Miriam, was a prophetess. Um, But the number of prophetesses that we see in the Bible are few and far between. So this woman is very, very special. And Anna is the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. Now Asher was a lost tribe of Israel, part of the ten northern tribes that were lost. So she's extremely rare and extremely righteous. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day fasting and praying. Anna's lived a hard life. Her husband dies early, leaving her destitute. But like Simeon, Anna refuses to be a victim. She dedicates her life to God. She doesn't miss a Sunday, worshipping day and night, fasting and praying. We all know an Anna. Someone who is so on fire for God that being in God's presence isn't a chore for them. It's as natural as breathing. When I was about 15, my mum dragged me along to an evening church service. 
And this evening church service, it wasn't just an hour long with, with a sermon and some, some songs. It was often about three hours long because they would, they would have the, the normal liturgy and then they'd have about two hours of worship and prayer afterwards. And I was sitting up the back and mum and my brother went up for prayer and I was hating the world. I was hating the church. I was hating everyone around me because I thought that there was a limit to how much God could ask of me. I was a young Christian, and I thought a couple of Sundays a year were good enough. At the end of the service, um, two elderly people came up to me. They were a husband and wife, and um, they asked me if they could pray for me. (laughs) And I glared at them and said that I didn't want to chat. I wasn't in the mood. (laughs) The woman just looked at me. And she said, look, I don't know you and you don't know me, but God just told me that you will bring young people to Christ and I thought you should know. And then she walked off. Her words opened my heart and it went from being cold and angry to being soft and open. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at the time. But that night, God unlocked a desire deep down in me to see young people come to Jesus. I realized that's what I wanted to do with my life. Since then, God has helped me to reach young people with the gospel. His prophecy has been fulfilled. Now, scholars point out that Anna is... 84 years old. That's 7 times 12. 7 is a number of completion. 12 tribes of Israel. 12 sons of Abraham. 84. This is a really special holy woman. Anna is an example of a righteous woman and the power of a life lived for God, just like Simeon. Her gospel proclamation and affirmation inspire Mary and Joseph to disciple and raise Jesus and their whole family. Here is a righteous woman who plays a quiet but key role in God's salvation plan. Friends, the examples of Mary and Joseph, Simeon and Anna, remind us that God calls us to righteous living and obedience to him. God might have an upfront role for you, or he might have a humble, back-of-house role behind-the-scenes role. A bit like the people we meet in this passage. Regardless, friends, we are all called to righteousness and to faithfully grow in godliness. The final verse in our reading tells us something incredible. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. See, even for Jesus, godliness is not static. Here we see that our Savior grew physically, but also spiritually. The one who inspired and wrote the scriptures had to learn the scriptures. The one who made the world had to learn to live in it. The one who would bear our sins had to experience trial and temptation and grow in godliness. Friends, if righteous living is good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for us. 
If we want to become more like Jesus, then we need to practice being godly daily and be intentional in our devotion to him. Righteousness is a life choice. And today we learn that it's the most important and fulfilling choice you could ever make. As we revel or shudder in the afterglow of Christmas and we look towards 2021, let's ask God, what do you want to do in my life this year? How can you help me become more godly this year? What can I commit to, to growing in faith and righteousness? Let's ask God to make us righteous like these incredible people. We won't be disappointed. Amen.